everyone. Welcome to the Aliyah Day. I'm Rabbi Mordecai Griffin. Glad to be with you this morning. As we are studying the parasha Devarim, this is the uh, fifth day of the week, so we're on the fifth Aliyah. Let me just get a shout out to all of our friends who are watching at uh, the Lapid Legion, watching from across the world and across the Fruited Plain. You know, uh, the beautiful thing about all the people that are watching is that they're real. They're <laughs> These aren't bots. These aren't uh, fake profiles. It's all real people, so that's nice. So, hey, welcome. Uh, we want to say welcome to South Africa. Welcome to Kansas. Who else do we have? Welcome to Oklahoma. Welcome to Texas, of course. Welcome to California. California. Welcome. Who else do we have? Welcome, Virginia. And welcome, Jamaica. And who else do we have? We want to say welcome to New Hampshire, Baruch Hashem, welcome to uh, North Carolina, and welcome to Florida, Baruch Hashem, and uh, who else do we have? Welcome to Massachusetts. How do you say Massachusetts? And Mass- is it Massachusetts or is it Massachusetts? I'm just asking, I don't know. There's a different accent up there. My Texas accent is uh, sometimes, you know, not correct. Or, actually, what am I saying? It, it, it's different. <laughs> Never mind. I don't want to get in trouble. Um, all right, who else we have? <laughs> uh, Boyd, Texas, welcome, Baruch Hashem, glad you're here. Who else do we have with us? Any other states on here that I've missed so far? New York, Nueva York, welcome. We would welcome Oregon, but they're uh, currently burning uh, in a riot that they apparently are enjoying and don't want to stop, so okay. Um, who else do we have? Je toile tous et Baruch Hashem. I think that's so... F- New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah, there they are. New Jersey. Kentucky. Kentucky. Louisiana. Welcome. Uh, somebody chimed in after the fact, probably because they watched it later, I'm sure, um, that uh, was watching from Holland. So some people in Europe uh, have to watch after the fact. So we welcome Holland, and we have friends who watch in, uh, in uh, Germany. Yes, Yiska, Missouri. I keep forgetting, Yiska, that y'all are actually in Missouri, because I think of Kansas City as Kansas, but I know that's that's probably prejudiced, and I apologize, because there's a Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, we need equal opportunity for both sides of Kansas City, so, Rukasham, Iowa! Amy, I didn't realize you lived in Iowa. Um, welcome, Iowa, the Hawkeye State. Baruch Hashem. So, um, welcome, everybody. So glad to have you. If I've, if I've missed your state, if I haven't called you out then uh, I welcome you. Maine, and uh, we want to welcome our Penguin Corps who's uh, watching on the frozen camera in uh, Antarctica. You know, y'all sometimes say, well, mine, mine, uh, my feed froze up. There's, there's freezes up all the time. But actually, actually, when it's not frozen, uh, they complain because uh, they just, that's what they're used to. Um, but they like it. Baruch Hashem. All right, so here we go. Um, We're going to go to the Chumash now. I have lots to share that I want to share today from Mayam Loez. And let's begin reading. We're going to be on page Nuevo 149. That's for our Sephardic Jews, para mis amigos uh, Sephardi. And we're going to be in chapter 2, Capiculo 2. 
Verso dos, that's chapter 2, verse 2 for our Ashkenazi Jews out there. And uh, Taxachusetts. Taxachusetts, <laughs> funny. Uh, Taxachusetts. Uh, Baruch Hashem. All right, so here we go. Uh, and who knows, Amuda Fritas may be, uh, may be uh, applying to become a citizen of the Republic of Texas. And uh, so she'll have to get a passport to come to Texas and be a part of our great republic here. But we look forward to having her, Brugashem. Hopefully that works out. All right, here we go. Verse 2. Adonai said to me, saying, Enough of your circling this mountain. Turn yourselves northward. You shall command the people, saying, You are passing through the borders of your brothers of the children of Esau who dwell in Seir. They will fear you, but you should be very careful. You should not provoke them, for I shall not give you of their land even the right to the set, even the right to set foot. For as an inheritance to Esau have I given him Mount Seir. You shall purchase food from them for money. So be sure you stop at their Seven Eleven. Don't go and uh, don't don't join the riot and take it for yourself. Make sure you go in and pay for it at the cashier, so that you may eat. Esau had lots of Seven Elevens. So, and lots of Red Robin restaurants, because naturally he's evil. But anyway, also water shall you buy from them for money, and it has to be Avion, so that you may drink, kosher certified, of course. For Adonai, your God, has blessed you in all your handiwork. He knew your way in this great wilderness, this 40-year period. Adonai, your God, was with you. You did not lack a thing. So, we passed from our brothers, the children of Esau, who dwell in Seir. From the way of the Arba, from El Elaf, and from Ezion Geber, and we turn and pass on the way of the Moabite desert. Verse 9, Adonai said to me, You shall not distress Moab, and you shall not provoke war with them. Why do you think that we didn't want to provoke war with Moab? Why do you think? Why do you think? Why do you think? Answer is, Ruth, we didn't want to kill Moab, the Moabites. Why? Because there would be a Moabitess who would join our, our group. Actually, two Moabites. One was Ruth, the other was... I just went blank, her name. I uh, uh, just went blank all of a sudden. Sorry, so why the, became the wife of uh, Solomon. But anyway, Ruth would give birth to, them, to Boaz, uh, of course. I mean, both Ruth and Boaz, rather, would be, give uh, 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 birth, rather, to the Mashiach, I should say. Boaz and, and Ruth. So it says, For I shall not give you an inheritance from the land, for the children of, of, of Lot have I given... Ar as an inheritance, the Emim dwelled there previously, a great and populous people, and tall as the giants. They too were considered Rephaim, like the giants, and the Moabites called them Emim. Anybody uh, ever, do you recall back in the good old days of WWF, remember, um, what was it, Andre the Giant? You ever seen pictures of Andre the Giant? He was in a Princess Bride, the Princess Bride movie. You know he was he was French. He was from France. He was a he was a French giant. Everything's bigger in France, and so he was buried actually in um, uh, in Paris. It's fascinating. I, I was fascinated by him. Um, if you ever you can look this up. Google a picture of uh, Andre the Giant standing next to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now Arnold Schwarzenegger is six foot what two or three or something like that. He's a, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a big guy. 
standing next to Andre the Giant, Arnold Schwarzenegger looks like a little teenager. It's crazy. But if you look at the size of Andre the Giant, um, Goliath was bigger than him by apparently quite a bit. So it's just that's that's Goliath was huge because Andre the Giant, his his hand is as big as a man's head. It's just crazy. I'm not sure. Oh, I said that because of the, the Rephaim. That's I'm, I'm trying to think to myself what what made me think of Andre the Giant. It's Rephaim. That's what it was. Anyway, it says, Ed and Seir, the Horites dwelled previously, and the children of Esau drove them away and destroyed them from before themselves and dwelled in their place, as Israel did to the land of the, of the inheritance, which Adonai gave them. Now rise up and get yourselves across Zered Brook. So we crossed Zered Brook. The days that we, we traveled from Kadesh Barna until we crossed Zered Brook were 38 years until the end of the entire generation. The men of war from the midst of the camp, as Adonai swore to them. Even the hand of Adonai was on them to confound them from the midst of the camp until their end. So it was that the men of war finished dying from the midst of the people. Adonai spoke to me, saying, This day you shall cross the border of Moab at Ar, and you shall approach opposite the children of Ammon. By the way, uh, that town, Ar, was home to a lot of pirates. You shall not distress them, and you shall not provoke them, for I shall not give any of the land of the children of Ammon to you as an inheritance, for to the children of Lot have I given it as inheritance. It too is considered the land of Rephaim. The Rephaim dwelt in it previously, and the Amorites, Ammonites rather, called them Zamzummim, a great and populous people, and tall as giants, and Adonai destroyed them before them, and they drove them out and dwelled in their place, just as he did for the children of Esau, who dwell in Seir, who destroyed the Horite before them. They drove them out and dwelled in their place until this very day. As for the Avim, who dwell in open cities until Gaza, the Kaftorim, who went out of Kaftor, destroyed them and dwelt in their place. Rise up and cross Arnon Brook. See, into your hand have I delivered Sihon, king of Heshbon, an Amorite, and his land. Begin to drive him out and provoke war with him. This day... I shall begin to place dread and fear of you on the peoples under the entire heaven. When they hear of your reputation, they will tremble and be anxious before you. I sent messengers from the wilderness of Kedemoth to Sihon king of Heshbon, word of peace, saying, Let us pass through your land. Only on the road shall I go. I will not stray right or left. You will sell food to me for money, and I shall eat, and you will give me water for drink, money, uh, excuse me, uh, water for money, and I shall drink. Only let me pass through on foot, as the children of Esau who dwell in Seir did for me, and the Moabites who dwell in Ar, until I cross the Jordan to the land of, that Adonai our God has, gives us. But Sihon king of Heshbon was not willing to let us pass through it, for Adonai your God hardened his spirit and made his heart stubborn in order to give him into your hand like this very day. So we sent the Marine Corps and took of him, and that was the end of that Sihon King. All right, so going back to, that's the end of our reading, by the way. Going to some insights here. I want to begin by sharing just a really quick insight from the Gutna Kumash. Sparks of Hasidus, were to verse 5, it says, um, On the east bank of the Jordan in the land of Moab, Moshe began to explain the Torah, that is, translating it, into 70 languages. I always love to read this about the fact that the Torah was spoken by God 
Thank you, Devorah. I just noticed Solomon's wife was Nama. That's right. She was also um, from that uh, lineage of Moab. Uh, not Moab, actually. She was uh, Ammon, Rukashin. She was from the other daughter. That's what it was, the other daughter of Lot. But I digress. Anyway, we read in the book of Acts where tongues of fire fell upon the heads of the Talmudim and everybody heard the word of God in uh, their own tongue. And uh, many Christians, because they just don't know what they don't know, because their leaders don't know what they don't know and haven't known for quite a while, that was not a, a new thing because there's nothing new. Say this with me, shall we? There's nothing new in the New Testament. That needs to be a mantra. That needs to resonate through your very soul from the very tips of your toes to the very top of your head. There is nothing new in the New Testament. That is actually a critical uh, concept. There's nothing new in the New Testament. And that Acts uh, 2 event was nothing new. Why? Because we read the Midrash Shabbat and we find out that tongues of fire danced around the camps of the Israelites when the Torah came down from Sinai and everybody heard the Torah in all 70 languages. So, why did God speak the Torah in 70 languages? Why do you think? Because he wants the whole world to know it. He doesn't want anybody to have an excuse. He doesn't want anybody to say, I would have followed it, but I don't speak Hebrew. It's great to speak Hebrew, right? We really need to study Hebrew and become Hebrew speakers. But that the ability to speak Hebrew is not a prerequisite for studying the Torah. Why? Because the Torah was given in all 70 languages. It says, why did Moshe bother the Jewish people to listen to the Torah being translated into 70 languages when surely most of the people were not familiar with the majority of these languages? So <laughs> the people there weren't familiar with them. You know, it's like, it's like uh, you know, they, he might have been giving it in some type of Asian tongue, right? Like a... Uh, Ancient Japanese or something. Nobody there, as far as I know, in Egypt came out was Japanese. Maybe they were. I don't know. But most people didn't speak it. Although, Jewish people love Chinese food, so certainly there were some Chinese that came out of Egypt. But that's another story. It says, Moshe did this not for the people's sake, but for the Torah's sake. Why? For Moshe's translation broke the barrier between Hebrew and all the other languages, ensuring that the holiness of the Torah remains even when it's translated into another language. So, you say, well, I have the Bible, I have the Torah, but it's only in English, or it's only in French, or it's only in, uh, what's the language that uh, Shira speaks? Uh, Portuguese, Portuguese. Um, but still holy. Still holy. Hey, I want to encourage you, by the way. I meant to say this when I, when I first got started. We have some Moadims uh, coming up. Actually, Moadims, putting an S on it is improper, but anyway, it's Moadim is a uh, plural word but anyway i always like to personally i like to study the moed that's coming up i think it adds to the, co the to the kavanah of the moed uh the one that's coming up of course is tisha b'av which actually the scripture refers to as a moed as a festival unto hashem it's a, a festival of sorrow but the sages say that one day when the mashiach comes and the third temple is built, maybe soon our time, then this festival of Tishba will become a festival of joy. Maybe soon in our time. But then after Tishba Av we have Tuba Av, which is not is really kind of a minor festival. And then of course we have Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sakota, whatever. 
and then on down to Hadassah, uh, on down to uh, Hanukkah. But I think it's good to study these. And so I want to introduce, I'm always, I, I like to introduce uh, people ask me in time, what book should I get? So our, our standard answer to that is uh, get a humash, get a, a set of Rashi commentary, all these from Art Scroll. Uh, get, of course, a Siddur. You're going to need a Makzorim set um, for the High Holy Days. Uh, but this is also something I want to recommend. This is the Art Scroll Mazora series. I'm just going to hold this up so you can see. Now, this one is for Tishbaav. But they have an Art Scroll Mazora series for everything. So you can get one for Rosh Hashanah. You can get one for Yom Kippur. You can get one for Sukkot. You can get one for Hanukkah, for Purim, for Tuba'av. Um... They have these for the various books of the Bible. Um, and they're really, really good. They're not that expensive. These are about $20 or something like that, a, a piece, maybe less. But I, it's the Art School Mazora series. Hopefully you can see that on camera. I'll hold it front and center as you can see. All right, I want to hold it up for the podcast. Can you all see it on the podcast? Everybody on the podcast, can you see it? Great. Call me later because you all are special if you can. All right, so... Um, Anyway, I want to introduce you to that. It's a great book. I have, I think, all of, I think I've, over the years, I've collected them all, like uh, G.I. Joe action figures, but they're really cool. All right, going back to Tuba'av. I'm mean, Tuba'av. <laughs> wow. Uh, Mayan Luez, excuse me. Mayan Luez. We left off yesterday talking about how we can fulfill all the commandments. Okay? How we can fulfill all the commandments. We said yesterday, we left off with this, that if we have a commandment that we cannot do, but we want to do it, and it's not our fault that we can't do it, we are in a situation we just can't do it, then God credits us as if we could do it. And you know what? I think that applies even to commandments that we'd say, <clears throat> you know, I'm not a priest, but I wish I was. And when you study about the mitzvahs of the priesthood, God accredits to you as if you had kept them. You're not a priest. You can't do it. Even if there was a temple, you couldn't do it. But I think that Hashem honors that. In fact, there's a precedent for this because the sages talk about that anyone can become a Levite if they adopt the attitude of the, of the Levim. So the number two says, if a person studies the laws of these commandments, which he does not have an opportunity to keep, it is counted before God as if he had kept them. It is taught in the Mishnah, Rabbi Mir said, I've had the honor of going to Rabbi Mir's tomb, which is amazing, it's in Tiberias. Rabbi Mir said, whoever studies the Torah for its own sake is worthy of many things. So when you study Torah passages about various mitzvot, you also receive credit for them. This is why it's so important that um, we study about the, the sacrifices. Because as we study about the sacrifices, it is as if we had honored them. Um, as an aside, something that's always just made me kind of shake my head and, and not in, in wonderment is that if you talk to Christians, the most important thing to Christians is the sacrifice of Yeshua. Which is no small thing to be sure, but but the sacrifice of, of, of Yeshua. And at the same time, um, 
a Christian would say that the, the the least read book among Christians is Leviticus, which the first part of which deals with sacrifices. To me, that's an oxymoron because the most important thing in, in your religion is a sacrifice, and it's the thing you know least about. Somebody, uh, Devor, me to hold this up again. There it is, the Mazorah. Art School Missouri series. This is Tisha B'Av book. They have this book, though, um, in virtually everything. So Art School Missouri series, you can get Rosh Hashanah, you can get uh, Yom Kippur, you can get Sukkot. Uh, it's going to say Sukkot, though. Um, you can get it uh, Hanukkah, Poem, uh, Shabbat. Um, so uh, this is Tisha B'Av. So Art School Missouri series, go to Art School website, you can... Uh, get that. It's not a paid advertisement. I'm not an actor. One must realize that the parts of the human body are bound to each other. When a part of the human body comes in, in, becomes infected, all the limbs become sick. When one limb is healthy and good, it shares its health with all the parts of the body. The entire body with its limbs is bound together, and thus the entire body is counted as one limb. The same is true of all commandments. All 613 commandments are bound to one another in such a manner that all the commandments can be actually be considered a single commandment. Therefore, ladies and gentlemen, when you keep one commandment, you are in effect keeping them all. This is why this concept exists. You can't say, well, my, my hand hurts, but the rest of my body doesn't. Your body feels your hand. A person should not think... Uh, a person should not think that observance of a commandment is something light in God's eyes. One must realize that although it might be trivial in an immortal man's eyes, it is very precious to God. Our sages teach us whoever sanctifies him a little below through the commandments and good deeds, he is sanctified on high very much. Very often, ladies and gentlemen, it's the little, seemingly trivial, seemingly insignificant commandments that mean the most to Hashem. And uh, we like 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 eating kosher. Somebody shouldn't think that that's no big deal. Like saying a bracha before you break bread or eat or whatever. Those little things that seem so trivial very often are the, the most important thing. This is the, the sages have taught, commentators have taught, that a man putting on his talit katan in the morning, it's, it's, it takes two seconds. You put on the talit katan, you say a baraka, right? You put that on, you kiss the tzitzit, and you get dressed. It takes two seconds. And you wear the, the talit katan all day long, you don't think too much of it. it, you know. It's 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 just a, it's a, it's like wearing an undershirt, you know. But it's a huge mitzvah. Think about it. Uh, keeping the mitzvah is basically this is the deal, is is the thing. Keeping the mitzvahs is a big deal. Think about how many people when you're walking around town, right? Even if you live in a city that has a heavy Jewish population. Think how few people are walking around wearing tzitzit. So God recognizes this. And sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, we get hard on ourselves because we, uh, we, we feel like we're not doing a good job with our mitzvah keeping. We feel like we're not doing a great job with our Torah study. We feel like we're not doing a good job in prayer. 
we miss prayer, you know, those kinds of things. Sometimes we feel we get down on ourselves. And to a certain extent, that's good because it keeps us accountable. It keeps us ambitious for more and we and it keeps us motivated. But I want to encourage you that you feel down on yourself, but think of how few people are even aware that the mitzvahs exist. And you're upset because you're not doing that great of a job or, you, or you, you, you forget this or you forget that or maybe whatever's going on in your life and things happen. But think of how many people don't even know the definition of the word Torah or that it even exists. So, you know, go ahead and use that as a point of encouragement for you. Use it as a point of motivation to do better, but do not allow yourself to get into depression because God is just excited that you even know him because there's so many people don't even know him you say well I wish I could speak the Hebrew better when I say when I say it it doesn't flow off the tongue like some people what are you talking about people you say Baruch a fraction of the population of human history has even been cognizant of the fact that that phrase exists, and you're trying to say it? Are you kidding me? That's, like, huge. So I just want to encourage you. Now, again, you know, we can we can encourage ourselves to be better and to try harder, <clears throat> and all that is good. But, hey, you might, you know, I mean, it, you could use any analogy you want to in life. <laughs> The entire Jewish people, this is number four, the entire Jewish people can be considered like, like one body. Again, there is nothing new in the New Testament. Some people, I would venture to guess that most people think that Paul invented the idea of we're the body of Christ. Right? They think that's a Christian concept. It's not. It's nothing new, not one thing new in the New Testament. Not one single thing. The entire Jewish people can be considered like one body and one soul. Therefore, we see that when a single Jew is suffering, all suffer. The Israelites are like the parts of a body. If one limb is infected, the entire body feels the effect. It is for this reason that when Israelites sin, God takes one saint and his death is an atonement for them. Oh my goodness, did you hear what I just read? It is for this reason that when the Israelites sin, God takes one saint and his death is an atonement for them. <clears throat> when they ask, if we sinned, why is this saint, this Zadik, punished? This, however, is proof for what we have said. When a person is sick, a physician may come and draw blood from his arm and this will cause his entire body to be healed. Similarly, God takes a saint and all Israel is healed. This is because they are all one body and all one soul. Now, why did the Mashiach have to die for our sins? If this understanding this principle, why did the Mashiach have to die for Klal Israel? Why, why, why? Here's the answer. Because all souls are rooted in him. So the only way to pick up the broken pieces was for him himself to be broken so that he could collect the broken pieces. 
because we're all rooted in him. <clears throat> now it says, again, our sages likened one who wished to keep the commandments to a person who is, a, is on a mountain in the midst of a sea. On this mountain there is a great tree whose roots go down to the very depths. There is no fear that the winds will uproot this tree from its place. The person, however, may be afraid that a storm will come and the waves will wash over the mountain and carry him into the sea. However, each person can bind himself to the tree, then he has nothing to fear. Again, there is nothing new in the New Testament. Yeshua said in Matthew 7:24 and in Luke 48 and 49. Luke 6, I'm sorry, Matthew 7 verse 24. Luke 6, verses 48 and 49, he said that whoever hears my words is like, and puts them into practice is like someone who's built his home upon a rock. It says, similarly, the world is like a sea and the body is like a mountain in its midst. The storm is death. A person is afraid that today or tomorrow the body will be washed away to the grave. The tree is the good deeds, as is written. It is a tree of life for those who hold on to it. Proverbs 3.18 If a person is worthy of keeping the commandments, he is bound to the tree of life, and he can protect himself from all sorts of danger. God thus says to Israel, Keep the 248 commandments that I command you, and I will watch the 248 parts of your body from all sorts of trouble that come to the world. In other words, we have to be bound to the tree of life, just like the Messiah said in John chapter 15, he said, remain in me and I remain in you. So this is the encouragement we receive from the Mashiach. There's nothing new in the New Testament. So I'm going to conclude our Aliyah here today because we're out of time but not out of content. I'm going to come back tomorrow for the 6th and 7th reading and I want to go through if, as, as, as far as I can with these 17 conditions, the 17 conditions we need to, to, to meet in order to keep the commandments. I think it will be eye-opening and encouraging. Until then, may you have a blessed and amazing and wonderful day. I look forward to seeing everybody tomorrow for the 6th and 7th reading. Shalom Aleichem to all of you, and be good and be safe.